This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training, back today with our very special birthday episode where we are talking about our favorite art life movies, Whiplash and Unicorn Store. Happy birthday month, Grace. Happy birthday month, Zandra. Thank you. This is coming out in August, but we're celebrating our July birthdays. Um, and I, I didn't introduce you. Joining me is my co-host, <laughs> actress and activist in July, baby, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? Well, besides happy to hear your voice, Sandra, it's been a while since we've co-hosted an episode. My art life is bi-coastal. I just have had the most interesting experience the past few months of being in New York every month. Um, I was there in June to celebrate my pal Athena Reddy's Tribeca film premiere. And um, then I was just there last week to do a, a photo shoot for Pinup Girl Clothing. And then next week, I'm back in New York for a horror short film with Athena Reddy again and uh, with Nick Grant, who was just um, the, the two of them were just on an episode of The Art Life talking about how to help your artist friends. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to be back in New York in, next week as well. And it's just the it's it's quite exciting the bi-coastal thing is something i've wanted and while i'm not living in both places um it's pretty freaking cool to be able to go to new york so often especially especially after a year of quarantine um and i'm just i'm just loving the the bi-coastal life right now so that about sums it up sandra my art life is bi-coastal I'm so excited for your art life being bi-coastal. And I also have to ask, how are the slugs coming along? Well, that's really a question for Nick. But I have to say, I've just so very much been enjoying the the little progress updates. For those who don't know, <laughs> uh, we're making um, a, a horror short film that is, um, as Nick would call it, a slug film as if that is a genre and maybe it is and i just don't know that but but he speaks of it as if it's like an established genre of film um <laughs> and uh i'm so excited about the fact that there are practical effects in this monster movie and so there's been a lot of experimentation going on at nick's house so that's been goo um creation and slug creature creation and i get to just see the little bits and pieces um, through text and, and call updates. But it's been very exciting. I'm totally in awe of people like Nick who are craftsmen as well as writer-directors. Um, that's just a skill I don't have, and I love watching it happen. So with the help of another horror makeup artist, he is just creating some goo and some slugs, and I get to... Uh, well, I no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> but thank you for asking that important question. Oh, you're Sandra. welcome. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch this slug film. I'm um, so excited to be a part of it. Is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets a slug film? I would say that that's the only other slug film <laughs> I can think of. Yeah, that's definitely the only one. Well, it's like so. the most mainstream. Of the slug genre. You know, this is a good question for Nick because Athena and I both definitely 
know Harry Potter pretty well. Uh-huh. And so that's our our slug film basis. We are off on a tangent right now, Zandra. We're way off. And I'm, I think it's interesting <laughs> are stuff. always relevant. I think it's interesting stuff. But I really – I haven't co-hosted an episode with you in so long that I, I do want to ask you, how is your art <laughs> yeah. life? Oh, my art life. Yes, back to that. Um my art life is the the opposite of your art life in some ways. So it does bring us back on on topic where my art life is really enjoying home. I've been reflecting on my my goals as we're midway through the year and what I want to work on and and strive for and where my heart keeps coming back is I really just want to make my home nice. We reorganized our cupboards yesterday it was like the most exhilarating birthday present i could have asked for um and i'm just i'm really starting to treat home projects with the same kind of seriousness that i treat my art projects or my work projects and it's really a mindset shift to accept that and be like i can apply my same technique of getting things done to something as paltry as the home so I'm just reclaiming that it's really important to me and I'm, I'm treating it with that importance. Since I know you well, I know that you're Mars and you're Virgo. Or sorry, <laughs> since I know you well, I know that you're, uh, you're Mars and your Venus are in Virgo. And so it must be such a good feeling to have everything organized out in front of you. Um, but I also, I mean, I've noticed in my own life, like, when everything is organized in my home, I sleep better. There's more space for me to like be creative. And so I'm wondering like, are they separate though? Your, your home and your, and your art. Yeah, are they separate? I guess not. And we'll get into Unicorn Store in just a moment. Um, but yeah, it's they're, they're not separate, but I don't know why I've been like, I don't know why I've been under the impression that they are separate. So this is this is like an awakening for me. It's like well, it doesn't happy make any awakening. sense. I'm yes. very excited for Thank you. Thank you. A quick question for you. How are you adjusting to your bicoastal life and and creating that sense of home when you're away? That's a great question. I mean, I'm only two two trips down at the moment. But the first one was two weeks long, and um, the next one will be more than a week. So, I think, you know, there are there's you're such a minimalist, Zandra, and I am not. I'm a maximalist, but I'm definitely learning to appreciate packing light. I'm learning to appreciate knowing what my just like the basics are. A capsule wardrobe has been coming up a lot. Um, and so I, I definitely, I'm, it's, it's very freeing to, to pack light, to have a capsule wardrobe for travel, to, um, to know, to really take note of what I actually use when I'm away and what I miss when I don't pack it. Um, I think like all of these things are important because even um, you know, because I model and sometimes I'm booking shoots while I'm while I'm away, um, noticing what I ended up shooting in, 
noticing uh, what artist tools I use because I've been gone so much that, you know, I'll think, oh, I, I'll bring my markers and my my paper and work on some art and then maybe not actually use them. And so then the next time I'll go, okay, I don't need to pack that. But then I'll actually have the time and I'll go, I really should have packed that. And so it's like also, you know, I don't need everything, but I can bring the basics. So like this time around, I can bring the capsule wardrobe and I can bring a uh, a drawing pad and a few micron fine liners, you know, like it's not about having to bring the whole art set. Um, so I'm really enjoying the getting down to the basics. What are my tools? What do I actually use when traveling? What do I miss if I, if I leave it behind? And, um, and yeah, just the freedom, the freedom of that and the empowerment of like having everything I could ever need with me and that it really all fits into one bag. I love that you're getting to practice so much and make these assessments and adjustments every trip. This is definitely part of actor life as well, you know, and it's something that I've had fear around because I like my stuff. I like to have all my clothes and my materials and my books. Books are really comforting to me. And I've thought about that a lot of how much actor life can be living out of a suitcase. And um, it's really good practice. And it's very affirming to notice that I actually, I don't need my entire library with me at all times. Not all, not all times. Until, until we get an invention like the bag Hermione has in Deathly Hallows, I think, I think I'm going to have to learn to live without my entire library when traveling. Maybe you can find like favorite libraries to visit. I love that idea. You have your away library. I think that's a fantastic idea. And I, and I think, um, yeah, like if I'm staying with Athena, we're the same size so we can share clothes, that's things so like that useful. too. Oh, so, so much. So also knowing my destinations well over time, knowing what's available there, all of it. I mean, this is the art life. You know, we're this talking about traveling and packing up, which we have a whole episode on, by the way. Um, Pack Your Bags is an episode of the art life where we talk in depth about some of this. But um, yeah, I just I just love challenging myself to to pack lightly and because I have to. And noticing that I actually can and that it that I'm, you know, I have everything I need. Now feels like a good time to mention that I have an ebook on packing as well. Yes, please do mention. Packing a Heroine's Guide is my ebook that you can find on heroinetraining.com. And with that. And with that, let's pack our bags and go to the unicorn store. So we've been talking about this episode concept for so long now. We just wanted to do something fun and celebrate both of our birthdays in July by watching each other's favorite art life movies. And then we love the idea of putting both of these two films together in one episode because in some ways they are very different. And in some ways they're very similar. So I'm excited for the overlap here. Should we start with Whiplash? Oh my goodness. We can start anywhere. But um, yeah, sure. I guess uh, we can start with Whiplash. So 
we yeah we chose our favorite art life movies mine is whiplash uh for those who don't know i have a tattoo from this movie i uh rediscovered this evening upon rewatching it that i know every word to the film every single word and i uh, it was uh i i had to like sit away for a while from the person I was watching it with because I just felt guilty. He was he was fine, but I felt guilty for my lack of impulse control, knowing every line, um, <laughs> like mumbling under my breath. Um, uh, yeah, this is my favorite art life movie. And I realized also tonight, it's like this movie came out in 2014 and it the, the main theme, Whiplash, is still my ringtone. So that is that is how much I care about this movie, apparently. And I'm so excited to talk about it on the show because um, I, I think in, in, in so many ways, it is the opposite of what the art life philosophy is. In so many ways, Whiplash is about someone whose you know, blind ambition causes him to lose a lot of relationships. Um, and for me, that's part of the power of the film. And we can get more into that, more into my perspective on it in detail. But um, it's a very important film for me about a young artist uh, with incredible drive to succeed. And uh, I was just so glad that we got to balance that out. Yeah, with Unicorn Store. So where should we start? Well, I think I want to mention up front that we will probably be talking about the end of these two movies. Great point. So if if people are caring about that being spoiled for them, um, just go watch these excellent movies first and then join us for the post-show discussion because um, the endings are both very important to, yes. I think, what we're going to talk about. So, um, so goodbye if you'd like to go do that and then hello if you just come back. Yes, I, thank you for mentioning that. We hope that people will watch both and then and then tune in. Yes. I would love to hear why this is your favorite art life movie, especially because you said it's in many ways the opposite of the art life. Yes. Um, I think there are so many answers to that question. I mean, I just have a strong emotional response to it and many artists do, but um I think for me personally, at least one of my favorite things about the movie is that everyone seems to come off with a different interpretation. And I think that's fabulous. I think that it's open-ended enough that everyone seems to take something different based on what they need, from like what they need the film to be. And I love that. So for some people, um, even the main actor, uh, says um, that he thinks the main character, Andrew, would end up totally alone, very successful and friendless. And other people say, oh, it's basically a sports movie. And uh, recently, uh, like only uh, less than a year ago, I was in Austin for a few days and somewhat a random barista saw my tattoo and he told me that his theory is that um, during the car accident scene, he actually dies. He was like, I actually think the kid dies and the rest of the film's just a dream. And I was like, I was like, no one has ever said that to me. We're six years later, people are still talking to me about this and coming up with new whiplash theories. So I love that about the film. For me, on a personal level, I disagree 
with with Miles Teller on almost all things, but specifically about uh, what you know what where this character would end up, because to me the power of the film. I mean, a big theme of the film is resilience, sure. But it's also about, um, you know, taking your your heroes off of their pedestals and doing better. So at the end of the film, we see, you know, Andrew, the, the, the protagonist, he got kicked out of school. He did lose his girlfriend and all his friends. And he sort of humbled himself. He got a job in a pizza shop. He rebuilt his relationship with his dad. And when he comes back for that final scene to play music, he is so much stronger. He's such a better artist. He has so much more internal security because it's not about the approval of this abusive teacher. It's that he knows he's very good. And he works with the rest of the band. And yes, he's absolutely showing off, but I think for me, that's like, I, I have a very positive takeaway from the film, which is that he didn't do it like Fletcher did. He didn't break up all of his relationships and burn it all down and abuse other people and torment other artists and only care about his own ambition. He failed. He took a step back and he he had a more stable, um, secure life and family relationship to, to depend on. And then he was able to actually succeed because of that. So I love my interpretation of the movie, which I say is correct, but I also love that everyone has something different. Everyone mm-hmm. takes something different. Some people can barely watch it because it's just so upsetting to see the teacher be so abusive. And that's okay too. I'm wondering, Grace, if your interpretation ever changes as you watch this movie through the years, because I have only seen it twice. I saw it when it first came out in cinemas and lived with my memories of it for a while and then just rewatched it this week for this episode. And I had two totally different interpretations. I love that. I don't know that my interpretation of like the ending is different. Like I still feel the same way about what happens in the end, but I do think I notice different things. I mean, first of all, like the character seems so much younger. The character is 19 in the film. And when the movie came out, I was 19. And so I, and I was, you know, really, pushing myself as a young, hungry artist. And now I'm 26 and I'm, I'm, he just seems so young. You know, it's, it's different to to view it with years, more years and more um, professional artist years under my belt. Uh, And I also, I think I just, I'm, I'm in a space in general right now in life where I just focus on parents a lot in, in media um, I'm on a Stephen King kick, and I just think that that's so much of his work is about like how the real horrors of the world are like absent or abusive parents, or he has a lot of examples of excellent parents in his stories. And so that's just something I'm really tuned into right now. So I always have thought that the dad, Paul Reiser plays uh, and Andrew's dad, 
in the film. And I always thought he was fantastic, but I really noticed him in this round. And I just think he's good. You know, he's just like, just such a good single dad who just wants the best for his son. And I just, I just really felt more affected than ever by his little moments. And he really makes the movie for me. I mean, there are so many powerhouse performances, especially JK Simmons, but like the dad, his little moments of care and kind of just like floundering because he does there's a there's a line where he's just like I don't understand you and he doesn't he's not ambitious this ambitious artist like his kid is but he wants him to be happy and have everything he wants he needs so I guess I just noticed that more than ever and I and I yeah I just I just see how young he is now I really agree with you about this character of the dad being such an important part of the story because I think his existence is part of why the other thing that you pointed out succeeds, that everyone takes away something different from this film because seeing him witness what is happening on the outskirts provides us another viewpoint to look at this situation so that we're not completely sucked into the dynamic of the teacher and the student. We also have this parent who is also an artist who is kind of offering us another way, another choice. And it's so subtle. I'm curious how your perspective on the film changed over time. Ooh, well, I was one of the sports movie people. Mm Mm-hmm. Originally, especially because that scene with the family, like dinner table discussion, really stands out to me. Still. One of the greatest scenes in cinema history. Yes. Oh my gosh. Especially in like art commentary history, because it really puts the arts in perspective with, I'm going to say, American society, but. just society in general um, where they're talking about the they're talking about sports and there there is a very different tone of voice and appreciation for incomparable accomplishments in sport to what Andrew is doing with his art school and it really I remember feeling the first time I watched this film like well, now people watching this film who don't get how hard art is <laughs> will have more of an appreciation for that. And then watching it this time around, I focused on something completely different, which was this abusive dynamic between the teacher and the student. And what stood out to me was how like you said, he's so young and impressionable and there's this power dynamic and there are enough glimpses of humanity with J.K. Simmons's character with Fletcher of like him talking kindly to the little girl that I can believe how this happened. I can believe how he got, how Andrew got sucked into this, to this abusive situation because it's like he builds him up and then he takes him down and it laid out how how like an intelligent person can get roped into that 
Do you think that Fletcher cared about that kid or or cared about his student who, who killed himself? Or do you think it's all just a manipulation? Because we're given Fletcher's perspective at the end or, well, we, we appear to be given his perspective at the end and then it's all part of the next manipulation where he's like, I'm doing this for a reason to make you a better artist, like make you a better musician. And so like, is it, he believes that that is necessary. And I guess there, there could, there's the question of like, what, how much of that is part of just driving that mission? And then is he ever allowing himself to just be a person? Boy, would I love to watch Julia Cameron watch that movie. Because he's so convinced that like, it is the opposite of the artist's way. It's like art has to be painful. Art has to be bloody and sacrificial. And And abusive. Yeah. And he's like, that makes you better musician. And what's kind of difficult to grapple with is like, is he, what do you think? Do you think that Andrew is a, a better drummer having gone through like the wrong thing and having to rebel from it. Yeah, I do. I do. I think he's a better drummer for having gone through the wrong thing, but it's, it's the coming out the other end and the getting help and the break that makes him different and makes him succeed. Right. I think he had someone invest in him and it went very wrong, but I, we see in the film that that also killed someone that killed a kid, that kind of treatment. So I'm wary to say like, uh, Oh, well that ended up really helping him. But I I do think it did help him. Um, Not the abuse, but the full uh, spectrum of experience and the fact that he, he clearly did idolize that kind of um, intensity. He clearly did idolize that kind of like full, relentless, um, extremely like narcissistic commitment to a career path. He thought that was the only way to do it. And then he he got what he wanted. You know, he got a, a, a role model and an experience that pushed him that in that direction and it crashed and burned. And I think that he was a better artist for the experience but of course, one would hope someone could train and and be mentored and perfect their craft without that. So I am very curious, Zandra, because I do think that there is there are some bridges. I'm very curious what you think the similarities are between Whiplash and Unicorn Store. Yes, ostensibly opposites, and yet they are both about disappointing art school experiences absolutely unicorn store starts with kit presenting her final project at um as a visual artist and it getting zeros down down the scorecard because it's rainbows and outside of the box and unicorns and um the professor at her school the um, renowned artist who put a stick in a box is um, is not impressed. <laughs> and so we see more of the process of Kit recovering from that um, and reacting to that. 
as the the film plays out and it's about finding your dreams and finding your way and also what i love about it is how that's still not always accepted so kit gets a job at a, a temp agency and is um, given the project to make this vacuum cleaner advertisement and she chooses to make it as rainbow and sparkly as she is and it inspires the people around her but is ultimately still rejected and it it puts that um that that like expectation in check of she is so happy and vibrant and fully herself but in some sectors like that's still not celebrated but She's right about the unicorn. She is. I think when when we talked about this beforehand, I definitely had the same immediate thought. It was like, well, it's, you know, art school failed these kids. Art school, like we see more of the art school experience in Whiplash, but it's the same ending, which is they get kicked out, both of them. And then they both feel like failures, right? And have to sort of make these identities as artists on their own. But once again, I'm going to talk about the parents, because I think both of these films have supportive parents who don't understand their kid. And so they sometimes really do, the, do or say the wrong thing. But there is a common theme that um, the parents actually support the kid more than the kid realizes or feels or appreciates, honestly. In both films, there are moments where the kid is sort of struck with like, oh, my parent really loves me and isn't like shaming me for being an artist. That moment where where Kit realizes her art has been up in the house the whole time is so special. Uh, I love the moment when, um, when Brie Larson's character, Kit, is like complaining about her parents to her friend Virgil and she's like ah it's so annoying and my mom's calling me all the time I'm gonna order pizza and he's like they're so annoying for wanting to feed you dinner yeah he's an amazing character and I wish that that the main character of Whiplash had a friend like Virgil <laughs> oh my god! it would gosh. be a much more pleasant movie if he had a friend like Virgil <laughs> wait now I want to like maybe in a, a different episode fan fiction I was gonna say you're, we're, you're asking for a fan fiction aren't you I love this colorful whimsical movie so I have some idea of course of why you love it Sandra but specifically as your favorite art life movie um yeah why why is it your favorite art life movie so I watched this movie and the whole time I'm nodding along to it I am laughing at everything and it's just so joyous and in my headspace of like, this is a movie I can live in. Um, Whiplash is not. <laughs> this is a movie I can live in. As in, I I just start to play this movie um, like for like 20 minutes at a time sometimes just to get back into myself. I just resonate with it so much. I do this with Gossip Girl. Um, there are certain pieces of art that it's just like, I can watch it and really pay attention to it on some occasions. And then on other occasions, I just want this to be my 
I just want to like absorb it. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Unicorn Store. And then the really funny thing is how when people told me they had seen it, everyone would preface it with like, yeah, it's a really weird movie, but like by the end I liked it. And that was really funny to me because this is like the least weird movie I've ever seen, which I think means that it just is my particular type of weird that makes me feel normal. <laughs> so my favorite line is in it is when Joan Cusack's character, the mom says, Kit, you're being weird on purpose <laughs> because... I mean, she was. She was being kind of like rude and distant on purpose and was called out for it in a, a very funny way. Um, but it just it feels very personal to me because it it feels normal to me and it's been branded as as weird. So I like I really I get that and I feel at home in that. So here's a question for you that. This was this was actually my my second viewing of this film, like it was yours for Whiplash. And watching it the second time, I felt that I realized, but maybe this is me projecting. Is is the unicorn just a metaphor for for your inner child, your inner artist? The way that they talk about the unicorn and nurturing it felt like if it isn't a metaphor for, for parenting an artist, it is a metaphor for parenting your inner child slash inner artist. Is that something that, that resonates with you or do you think yeah, that- Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, I think especially after watching this fully for the first time since doing The Artist's Way, it really resonates with that and- I was going to say that the unicorn is a metaphor for your dreams, but it's it's the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. And if you watch it with that lens, it is so poignant the way that they talk about it, where like you really need to have a nurturing home and build a stable and it will love you back if you give it what it needs. But at the same time, it's hard to commit to that and to share that private thing because so many people are, are non-believers. Exactly. So, Zandra, because apparently I'm just on this trend of action orientation lately, I wanted to ask you, what is one action that Unicorn Store inspires you to take in your art life? Well, first of all, I put sparkly star stickers on my air purifier hmm. because when Kit presented her bedazzled vacuum, Mystic Vac, I, want, I wanted an appliance like that. I was sold on that. And I realized I can make that for myself, just like Kit did in her basement. So now we have a mystical, magical air purifier, not just a boring appliance. It was a really good commercial that she created. Yeah. I was angry on her behalf. Ah, But yeah, that's, that's capitalism. 
Do you have an action that whiplash inspires in you? Ooh, I honestly, like, I'm sure I would have, that's a great question. I did not think about it for myself. Um, you did get a tattoo. I, right. I already have a whiplash tattoo. I think like, I, th it's funny because when, when I watch the movie, like tonight, I definitely get an adrenaline burst and I want to like study something, you know, I want, like, I, I do feel the burst to like, to like work on something I'm excited about. And that's cool. You know, that's just how, that's what my, how my body reacts to the film. But on a, on a bigger picture level, when you just asked me this, my immediate gut reaction was to say, like, really nurture my friendships. Oh, <laughs> like this conversation and especially comparing it to Unicorn Store, but also absolutely my interpretation of the film makes me feel like you know, gosh, I do want him to have all the success in the world and, and live his dream. And he won't, he won't be happy if it's totally alone. So it, it makes, it does give me a burst of energy, but part of that is, is, is wanting to do everything the healthy way and wanting to nurture my artist friendships. So that's my answer. Whiplash definitely made me want to take a nap. <laughs> it's funny um the the guy i'm dating is here and he watched it with me and he's a music teacher uh and i actually didn't put it together until we started i was like oh right not only is he a musician he's a music teacher and he's like he's like the warmest oh. most sweetheart person in the world and uh he it was very funny to watch him react to the film because about every 30 seconds he was going oh oh god oh no Oh God. Oh no. And, um, he's so sweet. And he had the same reactions, Andra. He went right to bed. <laughs> he was like, that was very good. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it was very hard on his soul. Wow. That gives me so much hope because one of the things both of these films leave me with is like, how is it, is it possible to be a nurturing art teacher? Like what do kids need? Um, what do students need from that? And just hearing that one exists is nice. Oh my gosh. Well, he'll hear us say this on the show, but I mean, I thank think, you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I, I right. Um, that's a whole episode worth, right? Mm. There's a whole episode or more in here, but I think that just encouraging people to be there to, to shine as, in their art, right? Like for Kit to be her colorful, whimsical, like fun painter self, there she needed mentors, she needed teachers who would say, oh, I love that, that's who you are, great. Go even harder, more glitter. And that's, I guess that's sort of what the, the salesman does for her is takes her whimsy seriously. Yeah. It's the way that these institutions have been designed to think there's a right way of doing art. That makes no sense. That is not how it works. I'm getting really angry. So we have to wrap it up because I'm like, I'm like, I'm very heated all of a sudden. But the, you know, the, both, in both of these themes, the art school failure 
in both of these films is like, is like these young people being shamed and abused and judged because, and, and being led to believe that there's one way to be a serious artist. And in well, both of the films, the the serious artist in question is kind of an idiot or kind of an asshole or absolutely both. Yeah. Uh, well, to, to sum things up on a happy note, what I love about the end of Unicorn Store is, is how Kit was always dressed up as herself when she was presenting her art piece in the opening scene of the film. She is she has always showed up as herself and she was criticized for that and rejected for that. But she came back around to to doing that for herself and not for a grade or for a degree. But she has this private way of expressing herself to those around her who appreciate it that does not need to be validated with awards or art shows or any external validation she even lets the other woman have the unicorn because she doesn't feel this this attachment or um, this clinging to any certain outcome and instead she just seems really content and happier than ever in her home life and and with her friendships and the people around her have been invited in and build her a unicorn stable out of art that she made and helps her see her own artistic self in a new and recovered way. So it's just a really lovely, nourishing conclusion to what started out as um, to what started out as, as a sad situation. It, it turned around. But also one of the funniest depression montages I've ever seen. Can I just say, I think I wanted to ask you to to close out the episode because you have another podcast with your sister, Zandra, called What's Your Favorite Part, where you talk about film and TV. And that's the question that is your family tradition at the end of films. So for both films... I wanted to ask you what what is your favorite part? And I will just say my because I started saying it. I think my favorite part of Unicorn Store, besides that moment where she realizes her parents hang her art, um, it's it's the depression montage, the commercials shaming her. It's just really funny. So what is your favorite part? Oh, thank you for asking Junie's signature question. My favorite part is the line, Kit, you're being weird on purpose. And my favorite part of of Whiplash is, oh, well, uh, thankfully you have the whole movie memorized. So you can, I I can paraphrase the part and then you can just say it. Um, It is that conversation about the sports stuff. Oh, and he's like, isn't art, how do you grade art? It's subjective. Yeah, he says, how do you, how do you, uh, like have a winner of a jazz competition is an art subjective. And he goes, no, no. That, that line really like hits me. But then it, after watching Whiplash, I'm wondering maybe like art should be praised for being more subjective. Maybe I agree with the footballer. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I think that's part of the point though, 
is he's been so, he's gotten so caught up in a toxic competitive you know wrong environment that he has totally lost sense of art, like what art is and i actually think the quarterback is right uh i think he's right too but it also shows that like this there's this disconnect between understanding the art and main in the mainstream that kind of fuels this need to make art more like a scoreboard mm-hmm. did you say your favorite part of whiplash my favorite part of whiplash which i also mentioned already and it's such as it's so it's i always focus on like a tiny little moment and when in films that have like really impacted me it's always this tiny little moment and it is the moment in the movie theater in one of the first scenes of the film where he's meeting up with his dad and they're, you know, doing their little adorable tradition of going to see old movies together. And he's uh, pouring the raisinets in the popcorn and, and he, the, the, his dad says, don't you want any raisinets? Like this is their tradition. And his son just goes, oh, I don't eat them. I just eat around them. And the dad says, I don't understand you. And he says <laughs> that it like when that happens. Yeah, that's when it happens. It's, and it's a they're talking about the popcorn tradition. Oh my gosh. I but totally it's I love that. popcorn, it's my favorite food. But um <laughs> but it's it's like that encapsulates this really strained moment in their relation, you know, this really strained <laughs> time in this close father-son relationship where they're doing something they love together and they love each other. And but the dad he doesn't understand. He does not understand his kid, and he's sweet, but he's just, I don't understand you. Popcorn tells all. Popcorn tells all. Grace, what is the art life? The art life is knowing there is no one right way. To eat popcorn. To eat popcorn, to create to live. Zandra, what is the art life? The art life is a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Gotta take care of it. Yeah. And I'll love you forever. Well, Zandra, we have talked today about past episodes of the show and your packing ebook and so much more of the philosophy we have on this show and what we talked about today is featured in your work. So um, how can we support your art? Yes, I listened to the episode that you hosted solo last week with Athena and Nick on how to help your artist friends. And I suggested, how about we change our question from where can we find your art to how can we support your art? So that rejuvenates me. You can support my art by reading it and and writing back to me, preferably. I have an essay called Only the Best Cake, which is about leaving social media and unicorn stores' role in inspiring that. Um, so that would be a good place to start with reading my writing. And... You can buy my packing ebook as well at heroinetraining.com slash pack for some whimsical packing tips. Grace, how can we support your art? 
By the time this episode comes out, I will be in New York filming The Vile Slugs with Nick and Athena, and I'm very excited about that. We had an Indiegogo campaign running, but it will it'll be uh, completed when this episode airs. So that being said, honestly, the best way you can support my art when you hear this is to listen to our last episode, which is all about how to support your artist friends, because there's so much more in that episode than what I can say in a single sentence. And I'm really proud of that conversation because um, I learned so much, not just from having the discussion, but from from my artist friends themselves. So uh, go back and listen to the episode prior to this one on our feed. Fantastic. Well, from my side of the world, Grace, I wish you a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And I wish all of you a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you the happiest of birthdays, Zandra. And to everyone else, if you are a July baby, happy birthday. And if not, I wish you a good night. And happy unbirthday to you. Exactly. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson-Burns. You can find us online and subscribe to our newsletter at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91617. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.